Well, Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. We're excited to have another accomplished guest on our leadership podcast. Troy Dannon is, is in his fifth year as athletic director at Tulane University. He's led the green wave to a remarkable transformation, elevating the profile of Tulane athletics and the student athlete ex experience on, on multiple levels. So welcome, Troy. Glad to have you. And I appreciate it. Look forward to it. Well, Troy, you, you spent some time in Northern Iowa at Northern Iowa as the AD, as you and I just kind of talked about. And during that time, you had uh, an experience, you had an opportunity to be around a young coach named Chris Kleiman. What do you remember about him that, that made you think one day he would be a Power Five head coach? Well, I'll go back even further with Chris. Uh, I was a student in 1988 at Northern Iowa and working in the athletic department. Bob Bowlesby was our AD and I, I worked in his office and Chris was a, a starter on our, on our football team at the time. And you knew at the time he had a presence about him. He, he understood all facets of the game. His emotions never got out of control uh, and, and was, was intense and fought every second. So fast forward ahead. Uh, to to when I get there, and, and uh, Chris is a secondary coach, defensive coordinator, before he'd gone up to North Dakota State and started putting rings on his fingers. And one, his ability to relate to the student-athletes, positively relate to the student-athletes. Uh, you know, it, sometimes, you know, you got to put your arm around a guy, and sometimes you got to kick him in the butt. And he always knew exactly what to do to, to which guy. And, and kept the guys engaged. And, and that was my, my impression of Chris was a, a leader of men because he found a way to adapt his coaching and, and, and how he dealt with them to the level that, that best got a response out of the guys. Uh, obviously, he was a, a football savant, uh, you know, and, and I've, I've known his family for a long time, but an incredible guy. I remember when he left, he left for a, a – uh, more money, but a similar position at North Dakota State, you know, hoping to start climbing the ladder. And, and, uh, and he started putting rings on his fingers. And I didn't know he'd put, I think, six or seven on his fingers. And seven. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I've always considered him a friend and to see friends have success, uh, uh, particularly proud. And then, you know, obviously getting that job in the Big 12 last year and, and starting off with the year that Kansas State had, uh, couldn't be happier for a guy. Well, I tell you what, those things that you described about him way back then, they're, they're still very true today. 
Uh, it's been a great pleasure to work alongside him. And, um, you know, he's been putting those rings on his fingers for a minute. And, I, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to do that, continue with it. So you've been at Tulane since 2016. And, and honestly, it's been very impressive, you know, when you think about what you've done, the dynamic things you've done uh, with the program when it comes to community engagement, name, image, likeness, and social justice initiatives. Can you tell us about your partnership with the Tulane Center for Sport and how you created the Wade Brands, uh, the Wade Brand Works program is what it's called. Sure, so the, the Center for Sport at, at Tulane isn't about sports as we tri- typically think about sports. It, we have one of the best sports law programs in the, in the country and, and we have a, one of the top sports medicine programs in the country. And you know, we've had general managers in, in, in multiple professional sports come through those programs and, and uh, it, it really is an interdisciplinary academic pursuit, a center to, to provide a pathway through sport for careers, you know, to combine medicine and, and law and marketing and, and all the other functions that you have to have or, or traits you have, skills you have to have to successfully uh, navigate a career in sports. So as, as name, image, and likeness uh, became what became a reality, I, I know we're still waiting on some things, but it's a reality, it's coming. You know, the, the idea of using the, the, that interdisciplinary academic unit to prepare our students to, to capitalize on name, image, and likeness. You know, our job, you know, we're educators, we're, coach, we're, we're coaches, we're administrators. At the end of the day, we're educators and we do it in this setting and not in the professional setting. Our job is to prepare men and women in our department to be successful throughout the rest of their lives. And this is just one more way we can do it. You know, the, the rules won't be effective. They really can't capitalize on anything for a year. But Wave Brand Works is, is really an initiative to get the student athletes thinking about their own brand, thinking about how can they capitalize, you know, I say financially, but, you know, they're going to capitalize on their brands throughout their lives. And this is just really an opportunity to get them thinking about that when they're 18, 19, 20 years old, rather than, oh my gosh, I'm 35. I wish I hadn't done all that stuff in my earlier life. Now it's time to focus on my brand as an, as an individual. And it's, it's too late then. So that, that's really the, the philosophy behind it. Taking advantage of, of you know, the, the academic part of the institution is it's one of the nice things about being at a place like Tulane. I think that's amazing work as I as I've researched just a little bit and very impressed with the program. Now, for the last few months, leaders across our country, of course, leaders in sport, they've had to come to the forefront. And, you know, with with all that's going on uh, with with social issues in our society, you guys have instituted the Green Wave Justice for All program. What does that program do? to create dialogue in your department daily? Well, first of all, I think, you know, the, what's happened with social justice, just, it, just speaking about in the intercollegiate athletics world, is leaders have had to be followers. You know, we, we've had to turn around and start listening, you know, to, to our student athletes. And, and one of the striking things for me over the last few months is I had no idea what some of our student athletes had gone through before they got here. I had no idea what they were going through here. I had no idea that we had coaches on our staff getting pulled over. I had no idea some of the stuff that had, had gone on. And so, you know, 
I think you, we started to lead by listening. And, and you know, just, uh, the Green Wave Justice for All is, is really listening. It's the student athletes uh, that got together. It's, it's our staff that got together and said, what, what can we, what should we do? Uh, how do we make an impact? And, and I think the perspective has been great because I don't think everybody expected, well, if I get involved in this, the world is going to change tomorrow. I think everybody understands that, that we have to put some stakes in the ground and start walking from there with, with, with changing society. First for us was, was really dialogue and listening and, and, you know, presenting and, and uh, presenting things in a way that, that aren't divisive and don't turn people off immediately. You know, as, as I said to some of our student athletes, you know, we, we can't make everybody support what we want to do, but you know, nobody gets a pass from listening. Nobody gets a pass from understanding. And you know, if, if they support us, so be it. If, if they don't, so be it. But we have to make sure we, we educate, uh, you know, create that dialogue. And, and then we had to figure out, you know, what are things that, you know, tangible things we can do, uh, you know, and, and not about, you know, what do we, you know, necessarily, what do we wear and what do we say? And, but are there tangible things that can start to have an impact on society? You know, I, I think student athletes have, have found, and maybe it was a little bit the name image and likeness a year ago, but have, have, are starting to understand the pulpit that they stand upon is tall and strong. And, and they have an immense power of voice and, and they're starting to use it. And it, I, I would tell you, I think across college athletics, but certainly here at Tulane, I think it's being used so positively too. There, you know, people can use that pulpit very negatively. Uh, and, and we see people doing it all the time at all levels of leadership in the country. But the student athletes, I think, are really taking a positive lead in, in how they're using that pulpit. It's, it's impacted the department. You know, we're thinking about things, talking about things that we never thought about and talked about. And, and you know, it, it goes, it, it's, it's got to start someplace, Van. And, and I, I'm not sure, you know, my generation is different than my parents' generation. And, and I have a seven and a six-year-old. Their generation is going to be different. But, but we have to continue to evolve and continue to change. And, and I think this is a, a real tipping point moment for us. And, and, and when it's student athletes really leading the way, I think it has much more of a chance to be impactful than, than if, if I were to stand up and say something or Coach Fritz were to stand up and say something. And, and I think that that's a very important, or you made a lot of very important points and uh, definitely points that I agree with, that it's, it's a time where our student athletes are realizing that they have a voice, that they have an incredible uh, pulpit. And, and I think it's important for us as leaders, for me as a coach, to make sure that, that they are leading and that they are operating in a positive way. You said something earlier about uh, not giving people a pass to listening. And if you, if you say certain things, if you use certain buzzwords, then they're immediately able to turn off your message. And so the thing that we stress here is that we wanna make sure that our message is one of inclusion, our message is one of unity our message is one of togetherness and so if you use the right words that, that no one that that because a lot of people uh today they, they just want to get in their corners and they just want to fight you know they you give me wait a minute you said that we're fighting and and it's not about that 
It's it, the message. We have to make sure we educate our young people that the message, the way you direct, the way you take the message is going to be uh, very important in, in, in the type of responses that you get. So there are many, there are many programs just like yours taking the lead and, and being the example. And I think you, you are across the country because, you know, at this moment, I've done a lot of research on, on programs and what different schools, athletic departments are doing. And you guys are, are definitely doing some great things. I spoke last week with Gloria Navarez from the West Coast Conference. And we talked about uh, something that they're doing in her conference, uh, the, the Russell Rule for Diversity Hiring. And, and it was a great discussion uh, because of the fact that they are in her conference are committed to making sure that in roles of leadership, they have a diverse pool of candidates and they are really mandating that for their members. What measures at Tulane in your athletic department do you take to be sure that you're always looking at a broad list of candidates for your head coaching pro, uh, jobs? Because you had the opportunity, I believe, to hire nine uh, yeah. uh, positions and then, and then other leadership positions within your department. Well, man, I'll go back. When I got here in, in 2015, we did not have one senior staff on the senior staff or administratively uh, that that was diverse. We did not have one head coach of color, and and so you know part of this was that it is it's not as easy as hey let's put an ad out there and see who who responds. Yeah. And and so oftentimes people throw their hands up and well you know this was the pool I got I I, I put the ad out there. It's a matter of going out and finding, and going out and searching. And, and making a commitment to it. You know, I knew when I got here, we were going to have success. If we hired a bunch of people that looked like me and that had my background, we weren't going to have any success. I needed to build a team, just like we build a football team, we build any team. We, have, we got to have experiences and strengths and, and uh, for, of all sorts of different types around us in order to be, be strong as a whole. And so, you know, I, I knew I, I needed to have some college athletes. I wasn't a college athlete. You know, I, I found two women uh, softball players, both happened to be African-American, that became my number two and my number three. And it just been phenomenal. Changed the culture of how we approached everything in our department. You know, as we got diversity in our coaching staff, you know, the idea of social justice for all, if we continued to have uh, basically an all-white coaching staff, we have no chance to have any credibility to put any initiative like this forward. We have to have diversity because that's the only way we have credibility with our student athletes. You know, 61% of our, our department is African-American, 61%. And, and at Tulane, you know, this is a, this is a very white institution. 26% of the, of the African-Americans on campus are student athletes. So, you know, we have a, we have a tremendous impact on, on the, the, the diversity of the entire institution. We had to take that seriously. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the benefits, you know, the reason we're in a different place today than we were five years ago is because we've got people that have all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts, all sorts of experiences and can speak on about anything with credibility and expertise. And, and unless you try, you, you force to, to build a, a, 
one, you've got to realize what your weaknesses and what your own liabilities are, what your vulnerabilities are. But then you have to go out and, and, and seek to find people to, to, to fix those and to cover those, those gaps that you have. And, and we've been able to do that here. So I, I know that uh, Coach Fritz has just uh, made sure that he'd be at Tulane for a long time. And uh, so, so I'd like to talk about him for just a second. I had the opportunity to be around him. Great, great man, great coach, of course. What is it about him that makes you know as the athletic director that he is, is a great leader for your football team? You know, it's, it's funny. When I came from Northern Iowa, I'd lived in Iowa every day in my life before I came to New Orleans at the age of 49. Uh, I didn't know the South. I didn't know high, high-end academic. Uh, and when I took the job, the head football coaching position was vacant. So I basically had my introductory press conference and then went into search mode and hired Willie six days later. And, and I had Willie on my radar because, you know, at Northern Iowa, FCS, you know, I like to see how the F FCS coaches you know, succeed when they move up. Oh, but I was on the FCS championship committee when Sam Houston State, which was where Willie had coached two stops ago, uh, was in the national championship game. And, and I was on his sideline watching, and I watched how he treated everybody. And, and you know, I, I've yet to, to talk X and O's with any head coach I've ever interviewed. Uh, you know, I, I want to know how they're going to treat people. I want to know, I want to know that, that they build their staff. Uh, that they understand their own liabilities and weaknesses and build their staff to overcome uh, those. Uh, but Willie treated everybody from, from the guy running the down box to the referee standing in front of him to the players coming off the field positively. And, and you know, I, like I said earlier, as we started talking, you know, sometimes you put your arm around somebody, sometimes you kick them in the butt, sometimes you, you know, you have really rough discussions, but he found a positive way to do it. And, you know, my, my rule with coaches, any of them that I've ever hired, uh, the, the, the very first thing is would I let my son or my daughter play for this coach? And if I'm not going to let my son or my daughter play for them, then how can I hire them and how can I put them in living rooms trying to bring other people's sons and daughters in? So from a, from a leadership standpoint, it starts with being a good man, a quality man, an ethical man. Uh, you know, uh, the, the background I do, uh, I, I do background. My, I want to know morality. I want to know ethics. Uh, I want to know what's in people, what, what people do with their lives, because they're going to transform hundreds of lives, uh, not just the student athletes, but others in the department. And, and I want to make sure they transform them in a positive way. And that was really how I got started with Willie. Now, he'd been a head coach for 23 years and he'd had 22 winning seasons. Now that, you know, but I knew all that, I knew all that going in. Um, you know, there were, I talked to a lot of people that were really qualified X and O. I interviewed uh, six people. Five of the six, uh, none of them were sitting head coaches at the time. Well, other than Willie, none of them were sitting head coaches at the time. Five of the six have been since. So we interviewed a really quality group of coaches. But what stood out to me was, was just his, his abilities as a man, as an individual to treat people well and treat people positively. And that's what I wanted. Because if you don't win, uh, you know, if you don't have the success you want, uh, you can't have the other part bad too. Uh, I want to know that we're always that we're always going to walk out. The men, I can stand up in front of the men and their families on the recruiting weekends, and I can say, "You're going to be a better man when you walk out of here. You're going to be treated like I would want my son treated." I didn't want to ever question that. Which I think I, I think is very important. All the 
head coaches that I've had the opportunity to work with, that's what I've been blessed to, to be around is, is men who hired the right kinds of people. And, you know, honestly, I know our job is to win football games, but it's also to develop young men. And hard, uh, many times you forget what the record was, but you don't forget how you impacted those young men's lives. Well, I got one final question for you. And, and I've gotten varied answers as I've asked this question, but, but what, what would your colleagues say about your leadership style? Who is Troy Dannon as a leader? Oh, my, I think they all understand. And I, I, my job is just to put other people in a position to be successful. And I think if you walked up and down our hallway and asked them, are you in a position to be successful deputy AD or associate AD for marketing or head basketball coach? You know, I, I hope they'd say yes. It, it's, I, I, I use this analogy. It's my old Iowa analogy. You know, my job is, is to be the snowplow and get stuff out of their way so they can succeed. Their job is to tell me what I need to get out of the way so that's, that's hindering their success. That's what, I, that's what I think any leader's job is. It's, it is to empower everybody else that's running alongside you. Right. Well, you talked about snowplows, and I spent a little time at North Dakota State, so I, I definitely understand <laughs> that. We don't necessarily have them as much here in Kansas. Well, Troy, I really appreciate your time, and it, it definitely has been a pleasure. I'm going to be in a meeting here in, in, in just a few, and I'm going to uh, let Chris know that we had an opportunity to talk. Um, but I, I, again, appreciate your time, and we'll definitely be in support of Tulane Athletics, and we'll be watching and pulling for you guys. Man, I appreciate it. You know, you just never know in this world when paths cross, and to think that uh, that – I'm here in, in New Orleans, and and, uh, and and you and that staff are in Manhattan, Kansas, and we're talking about the days in Northern Iowa, and Gene Taylor, the athletic director there, being a, a good friend of mine, you know, from his North Dakota State days and then to Iowa days. You never know uh, how those relationships – that's the greatest thing about college athletics, how those relationships come back and, and how as you build them, they never, ever go away. Well, it's funny. I was at North Dakota State before Chris – I was with Gene. He hires Chris, and of course, you know, he left. And then, well, then these guys are here, and, and here we are. So, uh, very true that, and, and that's, you know, that goes, I teach my players this all the time is that, hey, man, always treat people the right way because you just never know, right? You never know who they know, and you never know when you're going to see them again. <laughs> that's right. That's right. exactly right. I appreciate you. I know right. you got to get to me. Thanks a lot. And, and like I said, we'll be pulling for you. Thanks. I appreciate it.